What we need to be delivered from at the core is a deep-rooted mindset that resists the authority of God over our lives and says, I will not bow. We will not have this man to reign over us. That is why Jesus Christ was crucified. That is why he is despised and rejected in the world today. But the one who is despised is the one on whom all our hopes depend. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, last time you were talking about the story of Joseph in which we see so clearly how he points to the person of Jesus. I guess we'll be looking further into that today. Yeah, well, Joseph is the loved and favored son, and he is hated by his brothers. He's hated precisely because he is the loved and favored son. Well, that points us to God has one son, dearly loved, highly favored, the son of God. And so when he comes into the world, what happens is that uh, the brothers hate him. And uh, that is the story that takes us all the way to the cross. So we're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ here. We're going to understand also, I think, better why it is that the world hates believers and uh, why there is this antagonism. And uh, Joseph gives us a wonderful model of being redemptive towards those who may be very, very antagonistic towards us. We're in Genesis 37, so if you can, open your Bible there and join us as we continue this message, Loved and Favoured. Here's Pastor Colin. Christians should not fret about interpreting their dreams. Now, I say this uh, with some self-interest because I hope it will save me some hours of pastoral work. I don't want you to send me an email and say, I had a dream last night, pastor. Can you tell me what it means? Because what I will say to you is, look, if you want to know what God is saying to you, you've got a very easy way that you can do it. Open your Bible and read your Bible. And whatever other experience you may have in life, you must always test by the word of God, which is how he speaks. But in those days, there was no Bible. So how does God reveal himself? Well, we read about him making actual appearances. We call them theophanies. The last of them, of course, was to the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road, as one untimely born, he says. And in this situation and in this story, God reveals himself quite clearly to Joseph through uh, dreams. Now, the point of Joseph's dreams is very simple that God would lift Joseph up above his brothers. And of course, that is exactly what happened. So that Joseph, who they despise, becomes the one on whom their hopes depend. And the whole point of this story and the whole reason that it happened and the whole reason that it's in the Bible is, of course, to direct our attention to the greater son who was loved and favored by God, his father, the one who would be despised and rejected by his own brethren, the one who would be betrayed and sold for silver, the one who would go down to the lowest place but then would be exalted to the highest place, Jesus Christ, the despised and the rejected one, on whom the hopes of all who will bow before him depend. Now these dreams, therefore, and this is very important, these dreams came to Joseph with all the force of the word of God. This is God revealing himself, revealing the future to Joseph and with regards to this family. Imagine the impact of this direct revelation coming to Joseph in the night. And he, I mean, this isn't Joseph waking up in the morning and staring over his cornflakes and saying, I had a funny dream last night, I wonder what it meant. 
He knows that God Almighty has spoken and has revealed the future in the same way as God spoke to and God spoke through the prophets and the word of God burned in their bones like a fire, the scripture says. Now, this is important for this reason. It has often been suggested that Joseph should have kept his mouth shut and kept his dreams to himself. You heard that said? Uh, heard that said, and it's written many, many, many times. And what follows from that is then that Joseph gets pointed to as being somehow arrogant, self-opinionated, and overbearing. But think about this, friends. Joseph's dream was the word of God. And more than that, it is not only the word of God as it relates to him, it is the word of God that clearly relates to the whole family. If he is given the very word of God and it relates to the lives and the future of other people around him, how can he possibly keep that word which he has been given to himself? But here's the point. That telling the word of God was very costly for Joseph and will be costly for us. The brothers hated him because he was loved and favored by the father, verse 4. Now they hate him even more because he's loved and favored by God. And you see this in verse 8. When Joseph told them the dream, the brothers hated him even more for his dream and for his words. He spoke the word of God to them and he's hated for it. And they say, verse 8, are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? And you see the point of what they're saying. Never in a thousand years, Joseph. And yet the whole story is being given to us to show that the one they despise becomes the one on whom their very hopes depend. And their lives and their future and everything that concerns them is actually going to be in the hands of the loved and favored son. Now, God then spoke a second time, confirming through a second dream exactly the same revelation. And again, Joseph tells the dream. And you can imagine as he tells it, Jacob's saying, oh no, here we go again. There's going to be even more conflict in the family. And and so verse 10, it says, his father rebuked him. But then we have this fascinating comment in verse 11. Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in mind. Old Jacob hung on to this. He began to think to himself, now what if this is true? What if God really is in this? Could it be that as my, out of a broken heart, I've been longing and praying for these older sons that God is in some way going to work through Joseph and be a means of bringing great change in the lives of these rebel children? That takes me to the third observation here, which is Jesus Christ, the loved and favored son. Jacob kept the saying in mind. We just come off Christmas and reading again all of the Christmas story. There's a phrase from the Christmas story that for many, that will immediately bring to mind. Some of you are nodding. You're there already. Uh, Jacob kept all these things in mind. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You see, the story of Joseph is projecting us into the story of Jesus Christ 
who becomes one with us, is born into the human family. God is his father, and in taking our flesh, in some sense, we become his sisters and his brothers. And there is trouble in the human family, trouble that has arisen because of lies and violence and abuse and sexual promiscuity and exploitation and the erosive power of drink and of drugs. What a grief it must be to the Father heart of God. But Christ becomes one with us. He enters into the dysfunctional human family. Like Joseph, he is different from his brothers, and the hope of all his sisters and brothers lies in him. Joseph received the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. He is the word made flesh. He is the one who is loved and favored by the Father in heaven. Jacob put the coat on Joseph and said, you are the one. You are the heir. You are the one who is loved and favored. God the Father set the Holy Spirit on Jesus and said, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Loved, favored. Jacob endured the agony of seeing his own sons break his heart as they made his name stink in the land. And have you ever thought about this? God himself knows the agony of a father whose sons rebel and break his heart. And some of you know this pain. You grieve over a son and over a daughter. And you say to yourself as a father, where did I go so wrong? And you go with all of these questions. You do this as a mother. What, what should I have done different? And I want you to take this verse to your heart. I raised children and they rebelled against me. Who said that? God did. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 2. God says, I raised children and they rebelled against me. Nobody is a better father than God. And he says, I raised children and they rebelled against me. And when you find yourself fretting and grieving, take that into your soul. It will greatly help you. And God will stand with you in the pain of this experience. Now, where is the hope for these brothers who have taken this wrong path? Well, the only hope for them, and this story is pointing to it, is in a son who would be different. And, and what's this telling us? Jesus Christ is that son. He is the one who is the hope of all the others. God the Father points to his son, the loved and favored one, and says, I love him. I am pleased with him. He will be exalted, and in him is hope for all of you, and before him you must bow. And what is the response of the human family to this? Well, it's right out of the story of Joseph, isn't it? He came to his own. And his own received him not. And Jesus told this parable, it's in Luke chapter 19, about a certain man who gave to his servants resources to be used in his work and said, now you're to use them until I return. 
And in that story, Jesus says, but the citizens hated him and they sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. We do not want this man to reign over us. Now that line, of course, comes right out of Genesis 37 and verse uh, 8 that we just looked at. It's the words of the brothers to Joseph. And here's Jesus. And he takes that line and he's saying to his audience there as he speaks this parable, now, your reaction to the Son of God is exactly the same as the reaction of Joseph's brothers to the word of God that he spoke to them. You're listening to Pastor Colin Smith and the message, Loved and Favoured, the first part of our series, Snapshots of a Godly Life. When we come back in a few moments, Pastor Colin is going to share some insights into this opening scene of the story of Joseph, so stay tuned. If you ever miss one of our messages, you can easily hear it again or catch up by going to our website, openthebible.org.uk. Now back to Pastor Colin. I want to offer then, in closing, just three observations from this opening scene in the story. Here's the pattern. There's a never, there's a sometimes, and there is an always. Here's the never. Never underestimate the antagonism towards God that resides in even the most respectable human heart. Never underestimate the antagonism towards God that resides in even the most respectable human heart. We are God-haters by nature. The sinful mind is hostile to God. That's Romans chapter 8 and verse 7. We are not born neutral towards God. We are born at enmity with him. What that means is that all of our hearts need to be delivered, not only from a few mistakes and a few things that we did wrong and an odd sin here and there. What we need to be delivered from at the core is a deep-rooted mindset that resists the authority of God over our lives and says, I will not bow. We will not have this man to reign over us. That is why Jesus Christ was crucified. That is why he is despised and rejected in the world today. But the one who is despised is the one on whom all our hopes depend. Only a miracle of grace that changes the human heart is going to bring this transformation. Never underestimate it. There are Christians who spend half of their lives being amazed that sinners want to sin. Why would you be surprised at that? Second, sometimes. Sometimes, receiving the word of God will isolate you from your friends. This is very obviously a takeaway from the story today. Joseph receives the word of God, he speaks it, and he suffers as a result. He's 17 and he's hated and he's isolated. Nobody wants to hang out with Joseph. That's really tough when you're 17. And the reason is the word of God. That's why I think it's such a mistake to say he should have kept it to himself. That takes you in all the wrong directions. It's just, no, no. Friends, it is better to lose friends than to lose Jesus, right? It is better to lose friends than to lose Jesus. And Jesus says to us, if anyone's going to come after me, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. What he means when he says that includes this, that if we will speak the word of God clearly in this world, we will share in the suffering and rejection that was his because of it. Even if you're 17. 
But remember this. However much your friends may despise and reject the word of God, and perhaps even despise and reject you because of it, they need you to speak it to them because on it their hopes depend. How else in all the world would a man like Simeon or Levi or Reuben or Judah end up being in heaven as they will? Only by the sheer grace, unmerited favor of God that came to them how? Through the faithfulness of their little brother who had the guts to stand up and speak the word of God to their face and put up with their foolish rejection of it. And the rejection is not the end of the story. That's very important to keep in mind. And the rejection that you may experience, and as you plant the seed of the word of God in someone else's life, that's not the end of the story. God's redeeming work advances in the lives of these rebel brothers in large measures through the courage, the sheer courage of a teenager who's not ashamed to take a stand and won't keep the word of God to himself like so many people seem to think he should have, but speaks it. So that when finally the great moment comes and uh, Joseph is able to supply their need, they, they see that this is not just an arbitrary set of events, but that God himself is at work and that God himself is the living God who is laying hold of them and is touching their lives in a wonderful, redeeming and a saving way. Your friends, your unbelieving friends, who may sometimes be quite cruel to you, Your friends at school, your friends at work, your neighbors who do not know Christ, they need you to love them enough to speak the word of God to them as it relates to them and to put up even with their foolish rejection of it and probably even of their rejection of you as well. That's what it takes. We really want to be useful to God. This is what it takes. It takes Christians who will say, my loyalty to God matters more to me than my loyalty to my friends. It's going to take, and this is what our country desperately needs in these days, friends. This country desperately needs churches that will say, finding favor with God is more important to us than finding favor with the world. God's word must be spoken. It must be spoken with grace. It must be spoken with humility. It certainly must be spoken with clarity. And it must be spoken irrespective of the cost anywhere in the world. And irrespective of how it is received. So forget that line that says he should have kept it to himself. That will take you nowhere good when it comes to the word of God. Third. Always remember that Christ is loved and favored by God and in him that love and that favor extends to you. God has one son. He always has been and always will be loved and favored. The whole Bible brings hope to us around the theme of a loved and favored son. In him lies all the hope of his sisters and brothers. And when you are in Christ, the love and favor that are upon him when you are in him 
is a love and favor that is upon you in Jesus Christ. Always remember that. Especially when there are times in your life, as there must have been times in Joseph when you, at life, when you find yourself asking the question, why? Oh God, why is there so much pain in my life? Why are you allowing these things? Look at the story of Joseph. And you will see that God never wastes the pain and suffering of his people. And it's not only that God's redeeming purpose for those around Joseph advances despite his suffering. God's redeeming purpose for people around Joseph advances precisely because of, on account of, as a result of, and through what he suffered. He has to go to Egypt. It's part of the purpose of God. God takes him through the pain and blessing comes to him and comes through him as a result. Not despite it, but precisely because of it. And if you should find yourself come to a place where it seems that everybody is against you, you're going to be able to say, yes, but God is for me in Jesus Christ. And if you should come to a place where you feel very alone and sometimes you have this question in your mind, who really cares about me? Well, you will be able to say, in Christ, God loves me with an everlasting love. He always has and he always will. And if you should find yourself in that place where it seems that everybody else is favored and not you, everyone else gets the opportunity and you're passed over, you will be able to say this, yes, but in Christ the favor of God rests upon me. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ and his love has been lavished upon me. And all this is true for every person who will truly bow down before God's loved and favored son whose name is Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Pastor Colin Smith and the first in our series, Snapshots of a Godly Life. What an encouraging message to end with today, to be reminded that no matter what, if you follow Jesus, he is loved and favored by God and in him that love and favor extends to you. We're able to bring you these messages because of your support, and we'd like to thank you for that. This month, if you're able to commit to a gift of £5 or more, we'd like to thank you by sending you a copy of a book. It was written many years ago, but you may not have had a chance to read it. It's entitled Holiness by J.C. Ryle. Colin, who is J.C. Ryle, and why would we want to read him? Well, John Charles Ryle was a bishop in the Church of England in the 19th century. He was clearly committed to the authority of Scripture, and his writings are still widely read today and wonderfully valuable because not only is he clear in his convictions from the Word of God, he's wonderfully clear in the way that he writes. And I find him a joy to read. I have found him helpful for years. He's one of the authors I keep going back to and deriving benefit from. And one of the things that he makes especially clear in this book, Holiness, is he points out that for many believers, getting confused between justification, which is God accepting us, and sanctification, which is God changing us, is one of the greatest reasons why Christians become disturbed and lose their peace. And he says something very wonderful. Let me give you a, a sample of Ryle here. He says, a true Christian 
is one who has not only peace of conscience, but war within. He may be known by his warfare as well as his peace. Now, you read that and you say, oh, that's exactly what I experience. I have peace with God on the one hand, and yet I have a struggle going on in my soul on the other. And actually, that's normal, authentic Christian experience. It's that kind of direct clarity that opens the Scripture and applies it to experience that has made Bishop Ryle such a wonderful and helpful author for generations. And I'm just delighted that we're able to make his best-known book, Holiness, available for you. We want to send you a copy of J.C. Ryle's book, Holiness, as a way of saying thank you for supporting the work of Open the Bible. You can find out details of this offer on our website, openthebible.org.uk. And now, every day on the website, you can hear Pastor Colin Smith's daily devotional, read by Sue McLeish. That's a new three-minute message every day, a great way to start the day. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to being with you again next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production. It is possible to do your Heavenly Father's work without actually sharing your Heavenly Father's heart. Find out how next time on Open the Bible.